We're looking at the first 19 verses of chapter 14. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer and read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before your throne to hear from you. Lord, this text that we're in, this letter that we are in, is, is so, so, so needed now. Uh, a contemporary message. And yet, Father, I pray that we uh, will set aside um, maybe some erroneous thinking or teachings that we have heard and hear what the text says. Father, help us to hear. Help us to draw to you. Um, but Father, help guard us in the power of your Spirit. And Lord, uh, may we bow before your word. Uh, may we be people of the book. May we walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Uh, but Father, as we've already learned, let us pursue love. In Christ's name, amen. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more than more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Now, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in a tongue, what will I profit you, unless I speak to you either by way way of revelation, or of knowledge, or of prophecy, or of teaching? Yet even lifeless lifeless things, either the flute or the harp, and producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinct distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or in the harp? For if the bugle produces a distinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by a tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind. Also, I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in a spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at you giving thanks since he does not know what you are saying 
For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Last week, I laid out a foundation on this text and what we're dealing with. And I took you back to Genesis where God confused the languages of men. And it was judgment. Man was arrogant and prideful and was going to build a city. They were going to join together. Uh, their boasting caused God to bring his judgment upon them. And the judgment was the confusing of languages. And we looked at that in depth. We looked at the spiritual gift of tongues last week also in light of this, that it would bring an end to that confusion. It would make it clear. And we have seen in Hebrews chapter 1, God had spoken in the past to the fathers, to the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to the son. I really want you to understand this. When you hear the word communion, that is communication. Okay, that's what the basis of it is for. So when you commune, you're communicating with God. And, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on today that I do not believe is communing with God. I believe it's counterfeit. And I see it all the way back at the church in Corinth, and I see it alive and well and even flourishing in the church here in America today. See, Corinth had a situation, and, and what's amazing about this letter, the only time this gift is mentioned outside of the book of Acts is to the Corinthians. Why? Because they had a lot of confusion over this gift, tongues. All right? I look at the church today and say, we have the same confusion, and basically what it is is just ignorance. But I also understand there's the other side. Anytime God does something, okay, Satan comes through and counterfeits. Okay, now understand a counterfeit is something that looks original but has no ability in the power of God. Okay, I shared with you two words last week in the conclusion of the message. One is the term that they use for the Greek religions, and it was eros, and it has to do with senses, sensuality, and the Greek religions were based on sensuality, right? There is another term that we looked at, glossolalo. It's a compound word. Gloss is where we get glossary from, words. Leia, Leila is automatopoetic. What? Aren't you glad you got that one? Okay, that's it's like the gun goes bang. Okay, it's automatic. So when you see Layla, it says la 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 la. So it was a glossary with a la 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 la. And this was the terminology that was used by the Romans and the Greeks to speak of this ecstasy. Ecstasy. Um, and it's very common in pagan religions, it's been around for centuries. This ecstasy and the whole system that the church in Corinth lived in and existed in was this ecstasy. It's a satanic world. Please understand that. And it had infiltrated the church. Okay, it goes back to a comment that I make to a lot of these pastors who are planning churches and they have all these ideas and everything. 
And I asked this simple question, who is influencing who? Are you trying to be like the world or are you trying to affect the world? And most of what I see today in the quote unquote church growth movement is trying to be like the world. Okay, and that scares me because it's Christianity in part and the other side is paganism. Please hear me. It's when you either have Christ or you have paganism. Please understand it. I don't care what you call it. All right. But I shared in my Sunday school class, the president of the United States said that the God of of the Muslims is the same God that he worships. Yo, Bush. It's obvious your theology is flawed. You know, you may be a great in foreign policy, but you missed that one. Okay? It ain't the same. It ain't the same. All right? But we have, if I look at Corinth in its culture, they had various gods. The Greek culture, the Roman culture, they all promoted it. They all promoted it. And, and they had these various deities. I mean, they had a guy, Bacchus, he was for the wine. Uh, they had one for uh, fertility. Uh, they had one for sex. They had one for the sun. They had one for the moon. You name it, we have a God. If you had a God for all of these, then you had priests and priestesses. And you had temples. And you go through the Greek culture, if you go through the uh, Greek peninsula or even over into, uh, say, Ephesus has this great pit in the temple of Bacchus. And everybody would get drunk and puke in, the, in this pit and therefore were communing with God. Sign me up. Yeah. Okay. But, but you see what I'm trying to get at? And, and, and you see this all over. You see it in Italy. All of this to Zeus. You see all of these deities. And it was just whoever was a flavor of the month. But you also had these um, priests and priestesses. And they would sway people. Okay? They would sway these people. In. Uh, they, they were the evangelists to the pagan religions. All right, and they were called in history devotees, devotees, and they would devote themselves to this God or to this temple, uh, and and then they would pursue through the priest or the priestesses what they called the term was called in the Greek ecstasy. I want to be ecstatic, and what it literally means is to get to to go out of yourself. To go out of yourself. And, and in some cases, say, if you're worshiping Bacchus, you would go unconscious. All right? And they believed that if you went out of yourself, you would literally leave your body and you would ascend into space. And there you can connect to this deity, whichever deity you were devoted to. Whichever one you were worshiping, then you would commune with that deity and you would begin to speak in that language of that God. Thus, you get the word la la and you would get into this la 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 la. And if you listen to a lot of the stuff that is touted today as a gift of tongues, it is nothing more than this ecstatic speech. That's all it is. Okay, and it is to get out of myself, commune with this deity, and this is the pagan religion. It is 
Oh, brothers and sisters, it is so common. Uh, Plato wrote 91 chapters, and he mentions ecstasy in these 91 chapters. It was common. It was everywhere. It didn't matter whether you was Roman. It didn't matter whether you were Scythian. It didn't matter if you were Greek. It didn't matter. Whatever it was, it was all over the place. All over the place. And it literally, the term glossoleo is to speak in a language in, 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 in a static way. Please note, it was not invented by Bible writers. Hear me well. Nowhere in the New Testament is this condoned or promoted. The gift of tongues is a gift of languages. You had the ability to speak in Persian. You had the ability to speak in Hebrew. You had the ability to speak in a known language. But these pagan religions of the day had this thing called ecstasy. The religion was called Eros, and it's based on senses, and it was a desire for the senses. It was a desire for the feelings. It was a desire to, to move and to sway you. You hear it today. It's described. I felt God. What is that? I thought he was spirit. Okay? I believe... What you see today in what I call the experiential church is a reproduction of the church in Corinth. Right? It's just, please hear what I'm saying. It's counterfeit. I, and I, I, I don't know how to say it. Well, I can, but I, I can probably say it a lot meaner. But it's counterfeit. It is not the gift of languages. Right? I believe that it was birthed out of a deadness in the church or it's grown because of the deadness of the church. And I definitely know that it grows because of an ignorance in the church. People want to feel God. People want to sense the reality of God. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. If you want to know the reality of God, read his book. If you want to feel God, be with his people. All right? It, he, he makes it clear to us. But we want some kind of liver quiver or, you know, the hair stands up on my arms. You know, I did that in an electrical storm once. So what? I didn't, I didn't, I thought I was getting way too close to God then. <laughs> But I think the experiential church is feeding on this. I think it thrives on this. And now it has covered everything. I mean, everybody's got some kind of feeling in it. Listen to the music that we play. All right? It's just repetition. You know what it, most of it is? Mindless. La, 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 la. And, and it, you don't do anything. And that's it. And you get done and you say, well, I worshipped. No, you had a concert. 
People want to feel God. And listen, when you listen, if you think that I got to go have an experience of God, I guarantee you, you're going to get an experience. I cannot guarantee you that it's God, but you will get an experience. You go looking for it. You're going to get one. I guarantee it. People want to feel more. Okay? They want a quick thing. And these pagan religions, this mysticism is oriented to the emotions. Let me stir your emotions. Let me make you laugh. Let me make you cry. Let me make you feel happy. Let me make you feel sad. Okay? And the whole... system is stimulating the feelings look at the music that you see that they quote unquote call today it is what and it, and i hear people say well i'm trying to get into the mood dude you're going before god if you got to get into the mood you got a serious problem I mean, the Jews on the floor at the base of Mount Sinai, God says, you got two days to consecrate yourself. I'm showing up on the third day. And you're saying, well, I got to get in in the mood? Excuse me? I wouldn't go there. Why? Because they said they were scared. And, and I see this. We're, we're checking out our brains. The Corinthians have checked out their brains. And yet God works to the mind. He, he, he's a, he's a, his word instructs my mind. He works in my conscience. He works in my soul. He works in my thinking processes. And listen, please hear me. Anytime God does something, there will be a counterfeit. Anytime, I don't care what it is, there'll be a counterfeit. I, I call it Satan's smokescreen. He clouds up the true work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gets blamed for all kinds of crazy stuff now. Flip Wilson used to say it was the devil. Now we've concluded it's the Holy Spirit. First John says, if someone says they speak for God, you better test the Spirit. Is what he's saying truly of the book? Today, it is easy, it is so easy, brothers and sisters, to fall prey to the phony. Because we are an emotional-based creature. And if someone plays with my emotions, what happens? I respond to it. I respond to it. Listen, there is a reason that Satan is called the God of this age. There is a reason that Satan is called the spirit who energizes the children of disobedience. There is a reason that he is described as an angel of light. Okay? We are warned that there are phonies out there. Many antichrists have gone out. That was 90 AD. I'm thinking we got all of them now. Okay? He counterfeits the reality. Let me tell you something. He is very, very, very good at it. Especially when you got a bunch of people who are running on their emotions and feelings. 
and he wants the church to buy the phony. You know what? Just blend them together. They'll work. We all can get along. We can all be one in Jesus. Really? Is it Jesus and the God of this age? I don't think we can get along. Listen, there are no ecstasies. All right? There's no out-of-yourself experiences. Okay? There's no sins, um, sensualization of reality of Christ. There's no eroticisms. Nowhere ever is it associated in the New Testament with the true work of the Holy Spirit. It ain't there. So anytime someone tries to tell me this, listen, it even goes this far. God, I just heard this one. The guy claimed to be a prophet and everybody was coming up, I don't know, being prophesied on. And he says, I believe that something's happening in your life and something your, your kids need to go worship. We are going to be in worship or something. Well, listen, if God thinks my kids are supposed to be in worship, why don't he tell them? He can't find them. He doesn't tell people. God told me to tell you. That don't happen. Please. God tells you how? Through prayer and the word. You know how he tells me? Through prayer and the word. And if you're not paying attention... (laughs) I thought about an email I just got. He'll hit you with a brick. He'll get your attention. I've seen him. And sometimes it's a small, still voice. Sometimes it's a brick. I was talking to you. All right? And and I, I wish that we would use our brains when we think about the spiritual realm. Okay? Listen, I want to give you some text. Chapter 14, verse 32. 31 is the context. You, <clears throat> for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. Now look what it says. And the spirits of the prophets are what? Subject to the prophet. It doesn't say give up your spirit, get out of your body. You bring it into authority. It doesn't say lose control. It says you guard it. It's under the authority of who? This is static speaking and visions and prophecies are all part of the counterfeit. All part of the counterfeit. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. It's engulfing the church. It is swallowing the church. Counterfeit has been accepted because it impacts the emotions of people. That's why it's accepted. Okay, you know, I just need a change in my life. You know, I just need to feel something. Paul gives us the whole 14th chapter to deal with this, to correct it. Okay, I want to show you something that I believe is what's hurting us today. Okay. If you go in the evangelical community, even in here today, probably, 
and ask this question. Okay? It's not a complicated question. It's a simple question. What is the purpose of the church when it meets together? Why are you here today? Why did you show up? Why do you come, some of you, on Sunday nights, Wednesdays? Why? What is the purpose of the church meeting? And don't answer, because if you're wrong, I'd have to say, I think you're wrong. Okay? All right? Because I believe that there's probably some in this room who would have a wrong view of what is the church for. Okay, um, I asked some of these pastors just to check, check this out this week, and um, not one of them got it right. Well, it's just kind of scary to me, thinking that you guys are driving the bus, uh, and you don't know what the church is for. It's very evident in chapter 14 of this letter what the church is for. If you drop down to verse 26... End of the verse says what? Let all things be done for edification. Okay, look at verse 31. That they may learn and be exhorted. Okay, look at verse, end of verse 4. He who prophesies does what? Edifies the church. Look at the end of verse 5. So the church may receive edifying. Verse 12, the end of the verse. I'm seeing a pattern. For the edification of the church. All right? Why does the church meet? For the edification. You know what edification means? Building up, strengthening. Why do you meet? To be strengthened. Why? So that you can edify. You'll edify somebody else. And you'll strengthen somebody else. Why does the church meet? That's it, people. It ain't got nothing to do with whether you're using a guitar or a piano or an organ. Okay? The single purpose for the church is to... Edify, equip the saints, strengthen you, make you stronger. How do you do it? Well, he gave you a, a kind of a glimpse of it there where he says for exhortation and consolation, comforting in the end of verse 3. Prophe- one who prophesies speaks to men for what? Edification. And it becomes through knowledge that you've seen there in 30. Excuse me. <clears throat> 31, why? That they may learn and be exhorted. They may get stronger. That's what the church is for. Anything outside of that is not the church's responsibility. The primary responsibility for the pastor, okay, is twofold. The word and prayer. Why? Well, think about it. What's the primary responsibility of the gathering of the saints? To be edified. Well, it's nice to know that if somebody's going to prophesy that they've got something to say. 
All right? And it would really be nice if they are communing or praying to God for power source to infuse the ears of the hearer. This ain't complicated. This ain't complicated. I do not want you to be ignorant of the spirituals. The spirituals. Listen, I want to show you this. I'm going to give you this quickly. And we're still, I'm still trying to get my arms wrapped around this thing. And I don't want you to walk out of here ignorant. I want you to understand when you deal with your neighbor or coworker, and he says, well, I got up this morning and I sang in tongues and my heel was healed. That it's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. Okay. Now you can say, well, that sounds like pagan mysticism, but I would go with counterfeit. <laughs> or you may lose a friend or a coworker. Okay. But it is, I, this ecstatic babble, it crosses everything. I see it in the Chinese. I see it in the Hindus. I see it in the Buddhists. I see it in Roman Catholicism. I see it in the, I see it in the cults, uh, the demonic worship of the Africans. The, the, what do you call them people? Not the zombies. The guys out of the Caribbean. Voodoo. They do it. It's all over the place. And now the church wants to do it. I don't want to do it. And then some of you are saying, I wish you could just get English down. But anyway, if you could talk American, I'd be better. But I want to show you how this, the gift of tongues is an issue here, but he breaks it out. What you're looking at, verses 1 through 19, is the importance. Okay? The importance of the gift of tongues, you know what it is? It's secondary. Okay? You will see the intent of the gift of tongues in 20 through 25, and it is a sign. Okay? And you will see the instructions for the exercising of this gift in 26 through 40, and it's how the system works. All right? It's secondary, it's a sign, and there's a system for the use of it. All in chapter 14. Why? I have to cut through the confusion, Paul says. So I will tell you that the gift is secondary. And he gives three reasons in these first 19 verses why it's secondary. Reason number one is the first five verses. Okay? It's secondary to all other gifts. I don't care what your gift is. The gift of tongues is secondary to every spiritual gift. You know why it's secondary? It does not edify. What does the church come together for? Edification. It has absolutely no ability. Now, now listen. The true divinely empowered spiritual gift of tongues has no ability to edify. So you know the counterfeit ain't. I mean, do you understand that? The one that edifies is the interpreter. And yet, and I've looked at this, and we'll look at it more in detail in the weeks to come. But do you see it? It doesn't do anything. Cannot build you up. Has no purpose in the body of Christ. That's what Paul says. There's no purpose for it. That's pretty serious. It cannot... It does not. But I want to back up because he says, I want you to pursue love. 
I want you to pursue love. All right, why? I gave you 13. I just gave you the greatest. I gave you the more excellent way. It's to pursue love. But then he uses this fascinating term. Desire earnestly spirituals. If you have gifts in your Bibles, it's in italics, correct? Okay, that means it's added. It's not in the original manuscript. Anytime you see italics, it's not in the original manuscript. It's just there to give thought. So it says, I want you to earnestly desire spirituals as you're pursuing love. Okay, now, I'm going to kind of... Where are you at on this one, I think, because I'm not even sure. All right. The word there, you pursue, is basically coming off of the end of verse 31 of chapter 12. I will show you a more excellent way. And then you almost have a parenthesis in there, is love. All right. So pursue this love now that I've given it to you. I've described it to you. Pursue this Okay, and now he gives an imperative continuance in the word desire earnestly. Okay, that means I, this is an order and continue doing this. All right, what is he saying? I want you to continue seeking spiritual, follow after love and continue desiring the spiritual. Okay, the spiritual, what is the spiritual? It's the spiritual realm. Okay, it, it, you should want the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Spirit with every breath you take. And you should be desiring earnestly, continually as you are pursuing love. See how he did that? That is so cool. Why? Because I can take chapter 13, sit it right here. I'm not adding or taking away from Scripture. Easy, easy. Okay. He says, I will show you a more excellent way. Pursue love and yet continue to seek the spiritual realm. Wow. Wow. As we pursue love, continue in the realm of operation of the Holy Spirit. I like that. Now listen, it's got to be the true things of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you two texts. Yeah, I'll give you two texts. These two texts just freak me out. Uh, one is out of uh, Acts of the Holy Spirit, chapter 16. Acts of the Holy Spirit. That would be the book of Acts for those of you. What? <clears throat> chapter 16. I want to show you something fascinating. Now listen, do we all agree that the Holy Spirit is God? Okay, we're all in agreement with that. And if that's true, then I'm thinking, if God is unchanging, so is the Holy Spirit. Correct? All right. So, the Holy Spirit that was in the Apostle Paul should be the same Holy Spirit that is in you and I today. Right? All right, here's the Apostle Paul, verse 6, chapter 16. They passed through Phygia, Galatia, Galatian region, having been forbidden by who? Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. Then look at verse 7. 
And after they came to Mysia, Mysia, they were trying to go to Bithynia. And the spirit of Jesus would not permit him. Okay, now what's the difference between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Jesus? There is none. Okay, now, did you see what just happened there? Apostle Paul is right on track, wouldn't you think? He is the proverbial church planner. And he wanted to take the gospel to China, basically. And what did it say? Who said it? The Holy Spirit told Paul, no. And if you look at it, you need to be on your knees in gratitude because he takes it to Macedonia, which is you and I. We come from the European. All right? It could have been a bunch of Asians have TV evangelists today. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) We got to short in that deal, didn't we? (laughs) They could be the capitalists. and Anyway. Okay, do you see that? The Holy Spirit has not changed. Now then, okay, okay. Now let me show you another text. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 18. Verse 18. Okay, the Apostle Paul had been run out of Thessalonica and he's finding out what their spiritual condition is. He's trying to get back to him and find out. And here's what he says in verse 18. We wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. And yet what? Nope. Satan hindered. And the word hinder there means that they put up like uh, uh, debris, uh, things to slow down your approach. Like in a military conflict, they said they had a thing called tank traps. Uh, and they would either pick logs and cross them so they would high center tanks. Or they'd take, dig, dig a big old ditch and lay a bunch of trees across there or something like that. And, and they would just do whatever I could do to slow the progression down. Okay, Here's a fascinating thing that I learned in these two texts. The Apostle Paul knew when the Holy Spirit was stopping him or Satan was stopping him. What's changed? What's changed? It's simple. What's the purpose of the church? To edify, to strengthen you. Why? So you know when the Holy Spirit is telling you no and when the adversary is trying to slow you down. And the problem that I see in the church today is that we have not bowed before the authority that God has placed in the church Men who have been given supernatural enabling in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking spirit-filled lives in the holiness and power of God. We have not surrendered to them. Therefore, we are not being strengthened. I mean, it's what it says. Hebrews 13. Obey those who have leadership over you. Why? It'll go well with you. I see a bunch of people in the church today who have... 
a bunch of facts, but they're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Not the true Holy Spirit. The true working of the Holy Spirit is not hard to find. But we act like it's some kind of magical, mystical thing. And yet the Apostle Paul knew when God says, I do not want the gospel taken to that people, and Satan is trying to keep you from going back to that people. And I ask a simple question, what has changed? And I think that the biggest thing is, is, that is out there is that we haven't been strengthened. I haven't been in church. I haven't been there. I haven't been around them people. I haven't been around the saints. Well, I'm busy. You don't understand. Really? Do you know the difference between the counterfeit who is an angel of light and the spirit of the living God? When one is saying no and one is saying no. See what I mean? I don't think it's that hard either. I really don't believe it's that hard. I don't. I have known there's times when I'm supposed to go do something and there's times when I'm not supposed to go do something. And I can know it just like that and it's just as sure as the sun's going to come up in the east. And you know why the reason is? The edification of the saints. Do you know that you have a spiritual gift that strengthened me? Did you know that? Every one of you have a gift that is given by the Spirit of the living God for my strengthening. That's a fascinating concept. And when we are collectively together in the power of the Spirit, resting in the direction of the Spirit, when He tells us no, we know it's a no. But if we come against the adversary, who he will come. When God does something, don't ever think that the adversary doesn't show up. He will try to get us to buy the phony. He did it in Corinth and was successful. You can go visit the ruins of the city of Corinth. You can go visit the ruins of the city of Ephesus. You can go see them all. But there's one you can go to today and see God still working. That's Thessalonica. Still working. There's always been an evangelical uh, light in Thessalonica from the time uh, 56 A.D. The Apostle Paul planted a church there. There's never been a time that the church in Thessalonica has not existed. Under the Nazis, under communism, you name it, it's always been there. Scary, isn't it? Why? Because they received the word... As the word of God. And they received it in the power of the spirit of God. That's the difference. When you move into the experientials. Feelings. You know what you do? You leave the word of God. Do you know that? You abandon it. You abandon it. Set your mind on the things above. Not your emotions. Not your feelings. Not your liver quiver. Not your goosebumps. Or your hair standing up. Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things of this earth. You have died and your life is hidden in Christ in God. 
Okay? Walk in it. Walk in it. Put on the new self. Renew to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created you. There it is. It's your mind. It's your mind. It's your mind. Listen, I don't want to downplay emotions. That's, that, that is not what I'm saying. But I can't tell you this about your emotions. Your emotions are affected by your sin. And if I let my emotions just take off, who starts driving the bus? I can tell you who starts driving the bus. An angel of light. Who's a counterfeit. Okay? I mean, he, he says if you die, you got people die. We don't grieve as those who don't have. But it says you will grieve. But we don't grieve as those who don't have no hope. Why? Because I got your brain. I got your brain. And that's what 14 is about because he says tongues is secondary because it will not strengthen you. It cannot build you up. So it's secondary. It's secondary. And we'll pick up the reasoning of the Apostle Paul next week. Do you see that though? It is so amazing. It doesn't have... Anything for the whole. There's nothing there for the church. So what is the gift of tongues for? We've already looked at it. Revelatory, to affirm the person who's preaching. Okay, and it's what it was. God was speaking in languages to the people. Okay, so that they would understand. But God in his mercy said, I'll have somebody interpret. So those who are believers who can't understand that language, I, they'll interpret it. And that interpret, the interpretive gift is the one that edifies. But it was judgment. Judgment against Israel. Okay? If you don't understand the language, you ain't going to get it. Okay? So what is it needed in the church? It's secondary. It's a secondary gift. Okay? Next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for my brother Paul who went before us in such an amazing way. Lord, I pray for all of us this night, this morning. Father, may we be able to discern your spirit stopping us and starting us. And Father, the enemy trying to sell us a counterfeit. Help us, Lord. Help us. You said you'll build your church. Father, may we, understanding that our gifts are for the edification of the saints, for the equipping of ministry. Father, may we exercise those gifts in the power and the authority of your spirit, the guidance of your word. Father, let us hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Let us hunger and thirst for your book. And Father, as we continue to walk through this life, through this time, Father, may the edifying of your church be a foremost um, priority in our lives. Father, we love you. The love that you've poured in our hearts. Father, may that love grow. Father, let us pursue, pursue love. But Father, as we continuously desire the spiritual realm, Father, may we be sensitive to you and you alone. Guard us from the counterfeits. Guard us from the deceivers. Father, let us draw and drink deep the King of kings and Lord of lords. To your glory and praise. Amen.